So we've decided to call this Agency Affairs, the Sofa Chat Show, because Isaac's so good at copywriting. We needed to come up with a a title for this, but... Where's our fancy intro? (laughs) I want like a Coronation Street type thing. The point of this is we're going to comment on this week's stories in the news, in the property industry news. Uh, Can we comment on Coronation Street, which I read last night? I don't even watch it anymore. I haven't watched it for 20 years. Apparently Norris dies this week. Norris. Don't tell him that. It's sad now. Okay, so what has happened that we need to comment on? There's been some good stories this week. There's a lot of conflict in the market, in the industry reporting about what the market's actually doing. And I think that's because the whole country is full of pockets of ups, downs, no vowels, lows of vowels, high demand, low supply, high supply and low demand. And we're just one of those. A mum wanted to work short hours, wasn't allowed to, resigned and got a huge... I say huge to a lot of people. I think she was on six figures anyway, but got a big payout. It's all relative, isn't it? Because she may have been awarded the difference she would have had in the pay. You know, we don't know that, do we? We weren't in the court. So it might be that the court decided that she would have earned £185,000 over time and she her career was cut short or something. Yep. Um, we'll talk about one agent that has decided to, must have invested heavily to sponsor a Premier League football team. Crikey. Yep. And we're going to do all this in about 15 minutes because we have a podcast at five. And then, yeah, so we'll start and then talk about the property market yep. and how it, the prices expect to grow in October, but not really. <laughs> You'll get what I mean. It's a bit wishy-washy. Yeah, we'll start with the mum that wanted to work shorter hours. Mm-hmm. I was surprised actually at the backlash on that because I'm not going to talk as a woman. I'm just going to talk about as somebody in the I'll in the talk industry. as a woman. You feel free. The backlash was actually stronger than I thought it would have been. I hadn't seen the backlash. The backlash, the commentary was, what did she think she was getting herself into? You know, she has to make a choice. You can't have it all. It was all that kind of thing. And I don't know, you can't tell, can you, on the property industry, whether it's male or female that's answering. So that could have had a bearing on it. And there was obviously a lot of employers I think that we're feeling that. And, and it is a big sting, £185,000. I mean, there aren't very many employers that could afford that and not feel a significant dent in their business or even might even send them under. So I don't know whether that was commensurate with what they were earning or what they'd earned from her or whatever. But so speaking as a woman then, I will comment on this. A few years ago, back in 2003, actually. You? Is, yeah, it was quite, years. yeah. You were like, Three. I was working for a company called Kumon Educational, who were very strict about working hours. It was definitely nine to five, and I asked for flexi hours. It was just when flexi hours were coming in. You had the right to ask your employer to consider flexi hours, but the employer didn't have an obligation to give you them. But they had to, they, they, it's still like that, but they have to give a compelling business reason mm-hmm. as to why it was rejected. Yeah, and they didn't. Which is the, the same in this case. Yeah, they just said no. And eventually I left. I didn't think about going back to them and, you know, suing them. So I kind of see both sides of this. But ultimately, it was my decision. I decided, actually, I didn't want to work nine to five. I wanted to work evenings and weekends and maybe not work nine to five because I had kids at school and everything. And I was paying. There was one month where I paid more in childcare than I earned. I think my salary was something like, what, it was 22K back in 2003. And there was one month where I paid more in salary than I earned. Sorry, I paid more in childcare. And I thought, what am I doing this for? So I actually gave my notice and left and started my business. And I was really glad I did. But that was my choice. And I didn't feel like I was penalised for being a woman. I felt I was being given a choice. You work like this or you leave and do your own thing. And that's what I chose to do. I think it's a really difficult balance between the price of childcare is astronomical, mm-hmm. isn't it? For the first two years, mm-hmm. 
um, before they start getting is it two or three, they start getting free help. But I didn't get anything um, off them. No, it, it is mad. And actually, it's quite often better for a partner to stay at home. We're in a very fortunate position where Molly doesn't have to work and therefore is at home and we'd have to pay the childcare costs. Yet we almost frown at people not being in work. So they've got that to play with. I wonder what the comments would have been had a man gone to the owner of this agency and said that my wife is working, therefore I want to leave early and mm. pick up the kids. Mm. And I wonder if that would have been a different conversation along the hallway. Mm. And I don't know whether that conversation would have been more positive in his favour or against him, but I think there may have been a slightly different outcome. I think he possibly would have been supported, but potentially not. It is a really fine balance, isn't it, throughout the whole journey of it, of what the right thing, wrong mm. things do. And the employer has a huge responsibility, not just to this mum, but to 10, 20, 30, 40 other members of staff that they employ. Changing one rule for one person mm. could be catastrophic for the company. Mm-hmm. But by the same token... And culture. People like Hannah, for example, who is our client executive, really, really valuable member of our team. We support her in every way we can. If So her daughter got COVID recently. She had to stay at home with her daughter. She tried to work through it. She works evenings and sometimes weekends to take time back so she can manage her childcare more effectively. Anything she needs to do, we support her because she always goes above and beyond. And I wonder if, and I don't know, but if somebody came to you as a mum and wanted flexible working and that mum didn't go above and beyond, she was a bit of a nine to fiver anyway, you might think, actually, no, I don't want to give you any more flexibility. Yeah, I don't know actually know when this happened, but if the pandemic just hit, they're on £100,000 a year, they're not actually very good at the job. Mm-hmm. We're not commenting about this lady. No, no, no I, I have no idea. Theoretically. She, they'd been there for 20 mm-hmm. odd years. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if you're going to make them redundant, it was a, it was a hefty figure. They came with this request, you shut it down, kind of knowing that it would end up them leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that right? Or I guess from a business owner's point of view, sometimes you've got to do things that are right for your company. Yeah. But then I can see why that's got to be protected. Well, there's workers' rights, of course there are, but also we have to say, well, maybe that employee knew what they were doing. Maybe they knew exactly what they were doing and maybe they were penalised because they didn't follow the correct legal procedure or something. So the facts we have, what would you have done? we don't have enough facts if Hannah came to us now and asked for flexible working we would say yes as simple as that in fact we already do give her flexible working if somebody wants time off for a dentist appointment you know or something for themselves we say yeah you're an adult you manage your own diary if you can get everything done that's absolutely fine I think what goes against the agent in the employer here and again we don't know all the facts whatsoever but she says in the article that she often do eight till four mm-hmm and I know eight to nine is kind of a pointless <coughs> time in agency, but mm-hmm. she caught up on admin, etc. I think that's where... We're only hearing one side of the story, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The article yeah. is only her side. Yeah, maybe we should get the other side on the podcast. Maybe we should. No, we won't get involved. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. <laughs> we'll move on to the next topic because we are running out of time. But we'd like to know your opinions on it. Um, but we keep would. it. Try and keep it. No, don't. Be controversial. We don't mind. <laughs> but you're not like you're not on Property Industry I now. We know who, exactly who you are. Mm, who's the sly one? So no, we'll talk about the sponsorship of a Premier League football club. So there's a, uh, I don't know how big this agency is, you might know it's PYMM, I think. Never heard of it. Down near Norwich, that have now partnered up with Norwich City or a Premier League football club. They don't get any on the shirts or anything, but they get on the big screen and they get on the advertising boards by the pitch. Probably a, at least a five-figure sum, at least. What, 10,000? Well, multi-five-figure. 50,000? 100,000? Yeah, I'd say in the 50,000 maybe more, maybe £100,000 realm. What are your thoughts? Don't do it. But 
just to counter that slightly, I'm hoping that he's a huge Night City fan. If he's going to get residual benefits that are about him as a person, and that's why he's doing it, then absolutely fine. It's not a business benefit. You can't no, no, argue it's a business no. benefit. No, but if he thinks, look, I've worked so hard for 20 <laughs> years, I'm a big Night City fan, I'd love to go there. He probably gets free tickets. I'd love to go there, take my friends, have my ancient name on the big screen. Cost me a hell of a lot of money, but if he might be able to afford it. I say he, I don't, I don't actually know if it's a... It probably is a he. He or she. Oh yeah, sponsoring football. I bad so. So yeah, I can see. But from a commercial point of view, terrible idea. No, we don't think that would work. Okay, let's just talk about the market. I think it's a bit boring, isn't it? No, because I think it's quite varied. We were talking to Steve Kimberley today, or rather Heather was, and he said he was playing golf with... Yeah, why is he playing golf with a competitor? That's, with a competitor. Get off. <laughs> he's playing golf with a competitor. Don't do that, Steve. Maybe the friend... Well, he's a golfing competitor. And the oh. golfing competitor had two vowels in the diary for the week, and Steve Kimberley had 14, because which is great. Client. Because he's a Firewave member. Which is great, but that makes me think that there might be a dropping off of the market. Or it could be just that he's much better at marketing than his uh, competitor. And he's down in Falmouth. And here in the Lake District, we have definitely seen a softening in the market. Definitely. So the stuff we have on the market is definitely one of two halves. It's either flying out the door and getting you know great prices, or it's just not getting anything at all. You know, barely mm. ticking over, isn't it? Yeah, and vowels have slowed up as well. And people are more fee conscious on vowels. Yeah, I've had a lot of fee comments over the last three or four weeks. So a lot of our Firewave members and other agents we speak to over the last six months have been saying this, that we get a lot of fee talk um, because the market's so good. Why would you pay more of a fee, etc.? And we weren't getting it at all. But only in the last three or four weeks have I seen it, which is funny because which mm. when the market's gone quiet. Mm. I actually don't mind the market going quiet for a little bit because it gives us more chance to try and generate leads from homes on the market which we've not done for so long when was last time we went to a val for a home on the market no can't remember over a year so the market is changing and we've all seen these cycles but it has been a bit of a false cycle in the last 24 months i think it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out one thing that i would say is it's so important for agents to stay ahead of the marketing during a time like this when you feel uncertainty it's quite easy to stop marketing you've got to continue with it but what do we think it's going to do over the next well, few I, months? I agree with that slightly. I'd say that you should have carried on marking two months ago. And we fell into the trap. Or actually, when you were seriously busy in the summer, and if you're seriously busy now, it's still the time to carry on marketing because the market will drop off. And those that have carried on throughout will stay ahead of everyone else. And those that stopped because they were too busy or stopped because they were doing great will start to struggle. And that's what causes the big roller coaster effect. Mm-hmm. So even when you think that you don't, you shouldn't be marketing, you should be marketing. If you think you're too busy to be marketing, that is the most critical time. Because it's about to fall to off the cliff. Marketing. Yeah. Well, actually, it's Because usually it's... you're busy because of the marketing you've done. Uh, you are obviously elevated from the market conditions. But if you're at the top of the market with generating valuations, um, it must mean you've done some good level of marketing at some point. And actually, we have been market creators over the last six, nine months. So I think we've created a market that wasn't there. So we, instead of going after the on-the-market properties, we've gone after not-on-the-market properties, and therefore people who weren't going to sell have decided to sell because of our communication with them. So I think that we have actually been instrumental in making the market move around here. Uh, arguably across the UK. You're welcome. We had a stat, really, of how many valuations we created across the UK. It was huge. Oh, it was huge. Millions and millions, wasn't it? Well, yeah, not valuations of, of fees. Of but, fees. But even the, um, it was like 9,000 vowels. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. 
Well, it's probably 100 vowels per member and we have... Yeah, I don't think it was quite 100 vowels. Can't remember what Anyway. So we're going to try and do one of these little shows every week, depending on where we are and what we're doing, because I'm on my holly bobs next week. Next week's debate is... <laughs> Whether the word hollybobs should be banned across the whole universe, never mind 50 plus. <laughs> Do you know what Heather said to me this morning? He, she said, they're going to bring out a booster for older people. Enjoyingly. And then she said, for over 50s, I went, hang on a minute. You just said over 50s. Older people and over 50s in the same sentence. I'd have dropped the er, to be honest. <laughs> what do you think about compulsory vaccinations for staff? Good question. Um, so, because Lucy, my friend Lucy, who runs a restaurant, is in two minds at the moment, but she's probably coming down on the side of compulsory va- vaccinations for her staff. I wouldn't do it, but I kind of... But you want to. Yeah. You wouldn't do it because it would be a whole can of worms, but you want yeah. to because you like the result. We've only got one anti-vaxxer here. Yeah. And she just tried to persuade Tess not to go. Did she? Yeah. The the stats that came out yesterday were pretty mad. It's a can of worms that, we, we not that wanted, it's not yeah. worth getting involved Actually, with. everybody's vaxxed apart from one. Especially in a busy town centre office when you've got maybe lots of throughput, lots of like viewings and God. Yeah. The best thing is when you say to member staff, well, you can't go on holiday until you're vaccinated, especially if you're paying for that holiday and all of a sudden next day they've got a jab. Yeah, but we did have somebody go on holiday recently and didn't isolate when they got back, even though they were supposed to. Yeah. Lucy says, I can't even introduce a dress code for vaccinations. <laughs> I've noticed some ankles on show downstairs and some people wearing socks and nothing else on their feet. So yeah, my dress code isn't working. It's just see what Isaac was wearing. Doesn't work in Firewave at all. Doesn't, definitely doesn't work in Firewave. I've got absolutely zero chance at all. So anyway, we're going to try and do one of these little shows every week. If you've got a story that you'd like us to have a look at or comment on or whatever, then obviously you're only going to get one side where you get two sides with Phil and I. And you might have your own opinions that might be completely different to ours and that's fine too. But it's good to open the debate, I think, and we start may, talking about these. We may bring people on to talk about certain topics. If we use StreamYard, we can actually get people on to talk. Mm. We and, probably uh, should jump on our podcast. And get, what time is it? It's 4.42. We've got to do the crib sheet yet. So we've got John... Oh, what am I going to say? Oh, no, no. John somebody. It's a surprise. Not, Isaac won't let me tell him. It's not him. John Paul. Well, it's gave, not John Paul. You gave away um, yesterday's guest. Did I? doing a live video. Can you guess who it is? Ah, oh, hello, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's heard of Toby Salgado anyway. Now I've just told you all. Yeah, not surprised now. Okay, well, what I'll tell you, it's John somebody tonight. And he's a very exciting guy. Has Another John, American. Has John R gone out yet? Yeah. Oh. John Rossman. That was good. Right. Thanks very much for watching, everybody.